From Vistio, this is Recorded for Quality Assurance, an interview series where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and simplifying the process of delivering great customer service. Today, we welcome to the pod, Hui Wu Curtis, an CX enthusiast and strategist who specializes in all aspects of contact centers. She has over 25 years of experience and leadership across multiple industries, including hospitality, utilities, financial services, telecommunications, and healthcare. Quay is currently the CEO and co-founder of Support You, a BPO company focused on providing employment opportunities to underserved and untapped populations. Her prior, prior roles included being CEO of World Connection, General Manager, Customer Operations and Strategy for APS, Arizona's largest utilities company, and Senior Director, Global Customer Care Strategy for Choice Hotels with responsibility for all contact center sales and support divisions under shared services for 6,500 plus hotels in 35 countries. Welcome to the pod, Hui. Do I have your permission to record this call for quality assurance? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thanks for joining us. Can you give our listeners some insight into your background, where you started, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I would say nobody really kind of have ever purposely gone into the contact center industry. And I, it, it started kind of a while back when I had a part-time job in college uh, working at a call center, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, but when we used to have alphanumeric pagers and people used to call in for messaging, I think I lasted about five months where I never saw my supervisor, never really knew who was working there. And so I wasn't too sure what that environment was. So I just got the heck out of there. Um, I had the opportunity a couple of years later to go back into a call center, but this time as a, a supervisor. And I thought, well, kind of intriguing. How do you how do you support and manage people that always have to be on the phones? And so um, I decided to give it a, a try. And ever since that time, I've always been in uh, various call centers and in different capacities. So I slowly moved up and had more and more responsibilities, um, got really involved and in, in really kind of honing in on my on my trade, learning as much as I could, networking with other um, industry experts, leaders, colleagues, uh, to kind of absorb whatever I can. And um, along the way, you know, um, I soon had people looking for me for different opportunities. And, and so I continued to, to move up that, that corporate ladder and end up having the opportunity to run a couple of companies. And, and this is what brought me here today. It's funny how where we start often in our careers is not where we end up or we take a break from where we started. And then life brings us back around. That's always an interesting journey. I love hearing about people's beginnings and where they ended up. So you co-founded a very unique organization that is so different than other BPO organizations out there. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little more about what inspired you to start Support You? Sure, absolutely. You know, for, for years, I've always been kind of on the brand or the client side. And most recently, uh, probably in the last three years, I made a transition over to the outsourcing BPO side. You know, I thought there was there was always opportunities for me to p move into like leadership roles and stuff. And and especially in call centers, you meet, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people along the way. And, you know, what was the most satisfying piece of my job really was kind of working and developing and mentoring people along the way. Um, but 
as I kind of maneuvered around, you know, office politics on different environments and different industries, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, there were definite struggles for myself being a, a female minority in places that were relatively dominant with, you know, white men. And, and so I've had opportunities to really kind of help other people learn and maneuver around the situations and, and really just kind of gain more confidence in themselves. And so, you know, I think that put kind of a bug in me in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what are ways that can we impact people or provide opportunities to people on, on a much bigger scale um, for minorities or women or single parents or people in the military or LGBTQ? Um, how do we provide those people with opportunities to really kind of thrive in a work environment? But, you know, more importantly, um, especially what comes to mind in the news with all the, you know, the, the strife in, in terms of social causes and racism and stuff, you know, it, bring me, it brings me back to the point of being able to kind of create a company that, that offers people with significant differences and nuances kind of a safe place to do their jobs and to really kind of thrive because, you know, they don't necessarily fit in that corporate Monday through Friday, eight to five mold. And so, uh, me and my business partner, we had an opportunity to come together and create a company that we felt um, really should inspire and be mission-based, um, which is a little different than the other BPOs. But, uh, you know, we're really concentrating on the ability to provide employment opportunities to people um, that have very diverse backgrounds. So you kind of touched on this just now as you answered that question, but maybe circling back. Where do you think the gaps are in the BPO industry and what makes a BPO stand out and ultimately successfully deliver great CX? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I call BPO and like many industries kind of like the sea of sameness, right? There's, there's not much that kind of differentiates us from other players that are comparable to our size. And, you know, what I feel of the BPO industry is it's, it's a very prescribed business and the operational model really kind of focuses on, you know, sustainability, growth, and scalability. How do we standardize best practices? And, and along the way, you know, when you're dealing with hundreds and thousands of people worldwide, uh, you, you kind of want that consistency. But in the meantime, you, you kind of lose a lot of sense of kind of the, the, the personality of the company. And so I think, you know, there, there is a gap between the BPO industry in terms of just you know, providing, anybody can provide service to a client and those are becoming table stakes. So what else can you do that's going to bring more value to the clients? And I think, you know, we're still trying to maneuver and kind of figure that out. But I think for a BP to really stand out, not only be successful, um, you have to, you have to be genuine, you have to be transparent and, you know, it's okay to have a personality. And I think those traits kind of help us build trustworthy connections, not only with our clients, but with our people. And if you take care of your people and give them what they need and really kind of have them at the center of everything that you do, um, they in turn will easily deliver that great customer experience. And so people say that people put in great development programs, people put in great succession planning and stuff, but very few people really kind of follow through with it. And it doesn't resonate across the entire organization, just bits and pieces of it. So, you know, I, I see a lot of things that are really kind of disjointed and, 
And I think if we can kind of figure out how to best align those, those pieces together, that really kind of focuses on what's most important. And I think, you know, you keep it simple. The most important things are employees that make things happen. I love that idea. We talked about this on a, a previous conversation we had about, you know, putting your people first and what that, how that can impact your organization as a whole. So we talked about talent there for a minute. And I wanted to ask you, is there a set formula for finding the right talent um, in your organization, but maybe more specifically on the agent side, what are the competencies you look for in an employee? And how do you think your approach differs from that of the rest of the industry? Yeah, I, I don't know how much it differs, but I think, you know, when you, when you look at many organizations, companies are, are very prescribed, right? They have, you know, set of qualifications, they have job requirements and stuff. And so they're looking for people who kind of fit that mold. But we've kind of moved away from that model and really looked at just things from a, from a competency-based model. So it identifies, we identify people's kind of behavioral attributes as well as their skills and knowledge. So if you look at kind of core competencies that a person needs to be successful in a job. So if it's position specific, you know, you look at the work style, you look at the personality qualities, you know, are they resourceful, are they flexible, are they creative? It, it depends on what those core competencies are within that specific position that's gonna make them successful. So, you know, call centers are very prescribed and, and they have a, a very specific order to things. Well, a person that's creative most likely isn't gonna be very successful in those types of environments. So it's, it's about finding the people, the right skill sets, the right competencies, but in the best fit within your organization. And then the other piece is from an organizational perspective, you know, you're looking for qualities and attributes and, and characters that, uh, that characterizes success across your entire organization. So if you look at people that come from large organizations that are bureaucratic and they like to be autonomous as, as a, a worker, as a leader, well, most likely those people aren't gonna be successful or highly successful in a smaller or entrepreneurial type of company where really all decisions are made by consensus. So we really look at temperament and um, in conjunction with skills and knowledge of, of employees. I like that idea of really you match the people to the organization and that's where the sweet spot is. Um, quickly turning, turning a corner here, we wanna turn towards talking more specifically about CX technology. What do you wish more people understood about contact center processes, best practices and the technology used specifically by the agent? Yeah, I would say, you know, being in operations with captive sites where I've kind of owned and operated my own contact centers, and then now on the BPO side, uh, representing different brands for, for their particular call centers. Um, I would say that, I, you know, with contact center processes, like I said, the, the most, the, the things that we focus on most is, you know, standardizing things for scalability because you, you want to gain some best practices across the board. But, you know, I think you kind of lose sight of really kind of the broader picture because not every organization does things perfectly well. You're going to have people that come work for you um, that come at different kind of life cycle stages within their own organization. So call center processes for me is people need to understand that those are dynamic. And that just as much as market changes, just as your customer base changes, so do your processes in order to make sure that you keep up with what's most relevant 
and what makes sense for that particular time frame. Um, you know, technology is always near and dear to me. And I think, you know, not just with BPOs, but really any business where, you know, there always seems to be a bit of a gap between IT and then the operations and then the leadership. Because when you think about what you're trying to solve many times, and, and I've seen this in many organizations where, you know, they bring in a great solution because it's the, the latest and the, the brightest thing out there, or they think that, you know, this is really going to help the customers, but they lose sight of the people, particularly the agents on the front end, who are going to be using these tools. And, and so you, you think about how many millions of interactions they handle a week, a day, a, a year. And you have to make sure those folks who service your customers have the right tools in place and those tools blend in well and complementary to your business processes. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's gonna be a very splintered customer journey and delivering CX is gonna be harder, not because the people can't do it, they can do it, but it's just because there's not good alignment with policies or there's not good alignment with how the process works. So, you know, there, there's a huge complexity on, on processes, practices and technology, but I think, you know, people lose sight of the collaboration that's needed between IT and operations and the, and the front lines. Absolutely. So that's something that I think I, we talk a lot about on this podcast is it's so important that the leadership or people who are making decisions in IT specifically are, you know, go into the trenches and see how their agents are using technology, what workarounds they're making up uh, to get around perhaps glitches that technology is creating for them. So that's something that I think is so important. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. Uh, moving into some fun stuff, uh, what are resources that you regularly use as references to stay on top of industry trends and news? This could be podcasts, publications, or even individuals that you enjoy watching their posts on LinkedIn or you subscribe to their blogs. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's so much information out there. And I think the, the key thing is you have to inherently be kind of a, a lifelong learner, right? Um, because there's, there's not a beginning and an end point in terms of what you learn and what you do for your trade and your career. Um, I would say, you know, a few of them, like in general, because I like academia. So Harvard Business Review is a, is a great source that I often look into. I, I like to see what's been studied. I like to see what's significant. I like to see kind of the body of work. Um, and then something that's a little lighter that really kind of encompasses kind of a broader stroke of, of industries and leaderships and small businesses um, is Inc.com. Um, looking at their magazines across the board, you know, just reading things will give me a lot of uh, ideas or really kind of fundamentally change the way I, I think about things. Uh, I think blogs are always important. You know, I, I love hearing from people. People, you know, one of our, our friends, Peter Ryan, he's, he's fantastic at really kind of advocating for the outsourcing industry. And, you know, that man's all over the world. And, and so it's, it's great to get his perspective. And I worked with um, Nearshore Americas um, because I've always been a huge advocate for um, Nearshore work as well. And so they post, you know, a, a lot of different blogs on, you know, what does that mean? What does it do? What's kind of up and coming? Um, and then of course on LinkedIn, you know, there's, there's so many phenomenal articles floating out there and you just kind of get bits and pieces and it's, it's overwhelming, but I, I think um, it's always good 
to make sure that you have, you know, you keep the pulse on what's happening within your specific industry within the call center space. But there's so many things progressing from a technology perspective in, in terms of customer experience um, and in the, the call center space. And, and then I think finally, it's, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, the conferences were important. You know, I look at the speaker topics to see if it's something that I can kind of, you know, take bits and pieces back to, to my own organization. Or I, I know people always kind of shy away from the marketplace because they don't want to, you know, be be drowning in, in vendors. But, you know, I look forward to the marketplaces because it really helps you um, learn more about what's the latest technology out there, um, how far things have become, and, um, and then what's next, you know, what's next on their horizon. So it'll help you strategize kind of what, what needs to be next in terms of your, your own evolution, in terms of your own technology roadmap for the future. I love that you mentioned uh, publications that mention, you know, nearshore and even offshore trends and new places. That's one of the, the things that I like to follow. And like you had said, our, our mutual friend, Peter Ryan is so good at, is it kind of showing the world the new place where we've got some great talent that maybe the world or even US-based companies aren't looking at. And I always get excited to see what the next emerging country for even a specific industry contact center uh, is going to be put out by Peter and by other individuals as well. So, so glad you mentioned that. So this brings me to my last question. Uh, can you tell me about some of the nonprofit organizations you are involved in? I know you're involved in some really great ones and the ones that inspire you in your professional life, but also in your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think from, from a professional perspective, there's, we're, you know, we're working with some fantastic organizations. And of course I start in my backyard um, in Phoenix where I reside. And you know, one of the organizations is Friendly House, where this, this organization is 100 years old and they provide education and human services um, to, to people in need. Um, they provide childhood education, daycare, uh, adult education, workforce development. Um, they have immigration services, emergency services, uh, family and youth services, such like drug prevention or college readiness or, or really kind of community health screenings. And they're an organization that really has, you know, a ton of complementary programs that will really help our employees as, as we hire them in, because let's take a single parent. Well, they may have issues getting to work or they may have issues in terms of affording daycare. And so Friendly House is a, is a great program that has, you know, really kind of cost-effective solutions to kind of help people out because, you know, at the end of the day, not everybody came from a certain background or not everybody has the financial means to really kind of be successful in, in, in life. You know, that's life is kind of a struggle. And so I think organizations like the Friendly House, um, along with Support You, we, we're really kind of forming a partnership in terms of what's, what's going to help these people be successful in the transition. And then from that transition, even moving in terms of, you know, developing a greater skill set for them to continue to advance uh, within a career. Um, the other organizations, Arrowette, and we're just starting out, but they, they have a phenomenal program where they help um, women inmates prepare for reentry. And so they have programs when they're within the prison, 
Um, they have programs when they um, are released. And so they help these women really kind of gain meaningful employment, receive financial resources, um, but, but more importantly, kind of help build a solid foundation for their lives because it's, it's scary when you've been institutionalized, now you come out and now you have a certain stigma and a label about you where you know, women lose a lot of confidence in terms of how that's gonna perceive in the, in the workforce. So working with um, Arrowet and their organization, it's, I look forward to really kind of proving out our, our particular model and saying, you know, what does it take in terms of, of support and, and programs um, that's gonna help these women really kind of get back on their feet and, and feel like they are deserving of, of more um, because of a, a mistake that they made you know, prior in their lifetime. And on a, a more personal level, um, I'm involved with Excel, Asian corporate and entrepreneurial leaders. And I just think you know, being an Asian American and in the, the corporate world, you know, this uh, Excel does a great job in terms of leadership development, um, providing mentoring for career advancements and um, doing a lot of community work specifically for Asian Americans who, you know, again, there may be stereotypes or stigmas. And, and so how do I help the next generation of leaders maneuver through their careers, their communities, um, and in their environments to, to continue to be successful, but really make a, a meaningful kind of mark in, 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 their, in their early careers. And I think finally, the, the last one is, you know, we have, we have five kids. Uh, we have three sons and two daughters and my two daughters are adopted. You know, we, after a few years, we realized we're really good at making boys and I wanted to guarantee myself a couple of daughters. So we adopted both girls from, from China and my daughter, Audrey, who's, we adopted her a, a year and a half. She's now 16. And we most recently adopted our, our daughter, Emma. Um, at three and a half, and she's now eight, and and both girls are special needs, and I think it's just it's incredible at how much they've added to the richness of our family, and so involving ourselves with the adoption community and just bringing awareness in terms of, you know, what does it mean to adopt special needs? It's not, you know, what you might think. Basically, any baby that's not born perfect, like a cleft palate or they've broken a bone, but it has been since repaired. Now they're labeled special needs. And so just bringing awareness of that into the kind of the adoption community has been really important for, for my husband and I. Way, thank you for being so candid about those answers. And I really appreciate you telling us all about, I think being involved in some of those that charitable work and some of those nonprofits is so amazing. And then also you delving into your family life is so inspiring as well. So that brings us to an end of our podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to uh, get this podcast out to the world as I think it was so impactful. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been Recorded for Quality Assurance. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And to learn more about Istio, visit istio.io.